Have you ever experienced disappointment and allowed yourself to sit in the non-fulfillment sadness it carries without resorting to avoidance and unhealthy coping mechanisms such as drugs and alcohol? Have you ever fully experienced your disappointment? Recently, I did, and in true typical Stephanie fashion, while fully embracing my emotions, I was led to multiple enlightening moments and lessons about the deep nature of disappointment. I want you to bear with me this episode because I am still digesting and deeply processing my disappointment. Are you ready for the latest episode of the I Said No podcast? Let's go. Beautiful soul unicorns. No, 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 no. Nope. It's Stephanie, the life architect. Oh, hell no. How about no? No, 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 no. Hashtag ISN pod. Beautiful soul unicorns. Hello, my loves. Welcome home. Welcome back to your audio safe space. It is me, she, her, Stephanie, the life architect, the builder, customizer, and designer of healthy emotional lives, the intentional healthy boundary setter. You're I said no queen. That is me. And you are you. And I am so happy that you are here with me today, whether it's morning, evening, or night, wherever you are, I hope that you are safe. I hope that you are at peace. I hope that you feel loved, not just from other people, but love from you to you. And I hope that you're ready to go on a digesting disappointment journey with me. But before we get into today's topic, I want to address the holiday season, which is in full swing. As I record this episode, it is the day after Thanksgiving 2023. I am full still from my one plate that I ate yesterday, and I am very proud of myself for only eating one plate on Thanksgiving. All of my years as a human being on this planet. Thanksgiving has always been a day of indulgence. It has always been a day that excessive eating and drinking is justified and expected and that's always been okay and it still is. But as someone who is intentionally making her health a priority, it is a big deal to me, huge deal to me that I ate one time that I had one plate, and yes, the plate was a plate. (laughs) The cheese and the mac was cheesing. The yams and the sweetness was yamming. The greens and the greening and the turkey neck bones was turkeying and greening. And the sweet and the salty was a touching. And the cornbread and the stuffing. Okay, I'm a sides girl. I'm a side piece chick. You can keep your mains, bring me all the sides. And it was enough. It was enough for me to be content and past content. I was obviously full and I did not allow my food noise that I constantly deal with and have dealt with all of my life before even knowing what it was, before it had a name, without allowing my food noise to take over and tell me that I should eat again, not only because it's a day of indulgence, but not allowing the food noise to tell me that... I don't have to pay attention to my body that says it's had enough. That the cravings of the salty and sweet that laid and rested on my tongue had to be reignited with another spoon, another bite, just a little small extra plate, just round two or round three. For me, that's a big deal. 
And for all of you who, like me, has experienced food noise and weight issues and fluctuation and 10 pounds here and 30 pounds there and gym memberships and food prep and the scale and the jeans being too tight and all of the things that come with that, the low self-esteem, the comparisons, the unhealthiness of it all who has always looked in the mirror and said, why didn't I get this body? Whether it's about the aesthetic and wanting to look good in your clothes and or out of your clothes naked, or the health component that we really need to pay attention to, the desire to live a healthier life at whatever stage and age you are, the desire to understand that there is more to life than just food, The wisdom that now allows us to understand the difference between quality of life and quality of health, and that they are two different things that can be and should be together, but are separate because you can be alive and you can be breathing and you can be walking, but you can also be breathing heavy and hard and walking heavy and hard. I am proud of myself. And if you are like me who has had all of the things previously stated throughout their lifetime and you've ever made one stride to change that. I'm proud of you as much as I'm proud of me. And it doesn't mean that you had to do it on Thanksgiving like I did, but that was a challenge for me because of the day and because of what the day allows and permits and justifies and condones. It was a big deal for me. It was like the food Olympics. So kudos to you, Stephanie, and kudos to anyone who has done anything to make their health a priority in some way, small, medium, large, big, however you define doing what you need to do to make sure that you're the best version of you when it comes to food and drink, I salute you. I hope your Thanksgiving was what you wanted it to be, full of healthy boundaries that were either set or respected and or defined and clarified. Before we can implement and respect boundaries, we have to have a situation that shows us where boundaries need to be placed. And I don't know about you, but there's nothing like a family gathering to show you where boundaries need to be set in place. So I hope that if that was the case for you, that you now have clarity on how you need to move moving forward. I want to send an abundance of gratitude to Gigi Paris. Gigi, you emailed me on October 11th and you were very kind, very, very kind with your well and safety wishes for me. You acknowledged my disappointment. We have never met. I know nothing about your life and who you are other than your participation here as a listener of the I Said No podcast. And you took the time to see about me. You are one of my beautiful souls and you knew that I was looking forward to my early October first solo trip to Israel. And once you found out about all that went down in the Middle East, the war in the Middle East, you took the time out of your busy human schedule to reach out to see about me for the first time we've ever connected. I will never forget that, and I thank you very much, and I want to honor you by saying your name, Gigi Paris, and I want to thank you publicly for going past your norm to see about me and my safety. Thank you so much for that love. Thank you so much for that love. Thank you so much for that love. And as I said in your correspondence, 
you addressed my disappointment. You said that you knew that I was looking forward to this trip, but you are so glad that I am safe. And that was the sentiment of many of my loves, my family, my friends, who were petrified at the thought of losing me should I had gotten on the plane the morning before the war in the Middle East took place. I was ready to go. I was packed and repacked and packed again. I checked into my flight before I pretended to go to sleep because I do not sleep normally before I travel. I'm too nurse guided. I'm nervous and excited and awaiting the adventure that's ahead of me. And I was ready to go. I was ready to figure out who I was internationally alone. I was ready to discover that version of Stephanie that I had never met yet. The version who is no longer accompanied by a trusted loved one. The person who had to figure it out. The person who was in a foreign land in full discovery, but yet safety mode. I was ready to meet her. I was so excited to see who she was going to be, what senses that she was going to unlock. I was excited, excited to meet that person. And I did not get a chance to. (sighs) Let me take it all in. I didn't get a chance to meet that version of myself. And I knew recording this episode was going to bring back a lot of those disappointment feelings. And boy, here they are as I sit here and describe how I'm in mourning for not even getting a chance to meet a version of myself that I never even knew. Mm, 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 mm. And that doesn't mean I won't get a chance to meet her in the future but I'm allowed to grieve who I didn't get to meet now. And that's okay. That's a part of disappointment. Disappointment defines as sadness or displeasure caused by the non-fulfillment of one's hopes and expectations. My hopes and expectations were not met. My hopes and expectations disappeared. My hopes and expectations had a setback. My hopes and expectations had a setback without my permission. And for that, I was deeply disappointed. And even in my disappointment, beautiful souls, I know God doesn't make any mistakes. If you knew the amount of times I changed my flight, trying to decide what was the best day to get there to maximize my experience. If you knew that I was supposed to already be in Israel at least for 24 hours, by the time the war started. If you knew that I would have been stranded out there alone in the middle of war, just with the 24-hour difference of changing my flight. Mm, God don't play about me. And that's also a bullet point I really had to sit deeply in when I was digesting my disappointment. I'm allowed to be grateful about how God comes and sees about me. I'm allowed to be grateful to say, dang, Me feeling like I'm being indecisive and constantly changing my flight. More than three times I changed this flight. Me believing that it's just me being indecisive and can't just let the nervous energy go. No, that was God. That was God saying you will not be there when you're not supposed to be there, child. 
And even with all that gratitude, I was still disappointed. I dwell in the space that more than one thing can be true at the same exact time. And I also dwell in the space that though two or three or more things can be true at the same exact time, there are certain feelings that will be paramount. There's a ranking of the two, three or four things that can be true at the same time. And for me, my disappointment was at the top of the list. Because when the disappointment began, when I woke up that Saturday morning, I didn't know how bad it was. I had no clue that it was the beginning of war. You see, it was a work trip for me. It was an offsite trip for me. All of the officers were meeting in the Middle East, in Israel, in Tel Aviv. I had no idea the severity of the situation. So my disappointment was paramount. I opened my offsite Slack channel to an urgent message from the CEO that says, everyone who is getting on a flight today and tomorrow must cancel. Everyone who is leaving the nest must turn back around and go home. This is an SOS. We not playing. It's shut down. All hell's breaking loose. You cannot come here. And I'm like, what? Why? What's going on? It has to be severe for this lady to cancel this offsite that took so much out of everyone to plan, including myself. You see, during the day at my nine to five, I'm a director of operations. I am on the operations team. Not only do I do people operations, which makes sense for the version of me that you know, which is the life architect that builds, customizes, and designs. I do that at my nine to five as well, but I also do strategic and program management operations. So it is also tied into the HR realm, the people operations component. Yes, I select benefits. Yes, I set up 401ks for companies. I prefer to work at startups. I prefer to build the operations sector along with the VP. And in conjunction, we work with HR. So I know all the ins and outs of the offsite. I had no idea how severe it was. Once I found out how severe it was, guess what? Yes, I was scared. Yes, I was concerned. Tears were flowing and my disappointment was still there. Hey girl, how you doing? You disappointed. You're disappointed in humanity? You are disappointed in humanity. Once I started to unlock my curiosity as to what the hell was going on, trying to keep up with the news, who also didn't know what the hell was going on because it just started happening on MSNBC, on CNN. What is happening? And I have colleagues there. I have colleagues there, not only who flew out early to be there, but I have colleagues who live there. Unfortunately, a colleague that I never physically got to meet was killed. That week was a dark as fuck time for me. I had a mixture, a gumbo pot of emotions and disappointment was leading the pack. And in my disappointment leading the pack, I, I started asking myself questions as I tend to do and recommend to my life coaching clients to do. We got to root. If you're my client, you know what I'm talking about. We got to root that thing up. We have to figure out its origin. We have to know where it came from. And I asked myself, where did I learn to process disappointment? And this was my first question to myself because it was so heavy. It was heavy. 
V. And because it was so heavy, I wanted to know who taught me how to process it so the load of it can lighten. Where did I see the processing of disappointment? Who showed me how to allow my disappointment to become a visitor and not a resident? Who? Guess what? Nobody. Nobody. They couldn't teach me what they didn't know. They couldn't teach me what they didn't know. Surprise, surprise. Nobody knew. Surprise, surprise, surprise. Surprise, surprise that your parents can't give you what wasn't given to them. And even if they could give it to you, they gave it to you in shards of brokenness because that's all they knew. They had pieces to put together. There was no internet for Carmen and Calvin, known to you as mom, pops. There was nothing for them to pull from in the palm of their hand to guide their children through disappointment. They either prayed about it or they suppressed it. And there's so much to do in between praying about it and suppressing it. There's so many steps you can take, such as asking yourself the question, where did I learn to process this? What is the definition of this? How do I get from the definition through the process of it? And through the process of it will other feelings arise like guilt. The guilt that made me weep for hours because I was disappointed about travel. That was a justified guilt to me. As I always say, guilt is a useless emotion if it does not align with your morals, ethics, and values. And in this case, guilt was not useless. It was valid and justified because my feelings about travel and not getting to experience the version of me on a solo excursion did not align with me feeling worse than people who were dying. My guilt was justified because I was being selfish once I understood the full scope of it all. And I chose to look myself in the mirror and say those words. You are disappointed and that's okay. But now that you know that lives are senselessly being taken away, children, mothers, fathers, women being violated in the streets, hung, buildings exploding and collapsing, hospitals, concerts being blown up. Can you imagine going to a festival, enjoying yourself through music, the healing art of music and dance and joy with your friends? And that's the last thing you got to do on this earth. And I'm worried about I didn't get to do what I wanted to do. My hopes and expectations were let down. I'm sad. I have regret. I have dismay. I have sorrow. Do you think your sorrow, Stephanie, is more important than the sorrow of people whose life as you know it is either over or so drastically different? It will never be the same. No. My guilt was tearing me apart. Because the human experience that I was experiencing still ushered in disappointment. I was upset. I was upset because my disappointment 
especially before we understood the severity of the situation. My disappointment was pushed to the side by so many of my loved ones who did not do it intentionally. When you are so happy that your loved one is safe in a situation that could have been disgustingly dire, you don't really care about anything else that they're possibly feeling. You're just so happy your baby girl is safe. You're so happy your sister is safe. You're happy your wife is safe. You're happy your best friend is safe. Which you should be, and I'm, again, more than one thing can be true. I'm grateful for the care about my safety and concern. But in the care of my safety and concern, when it was confirmed, anything I expressed after that, especially disappointment, and again, strongly before we understood the severity of what was happening, my disappointment was pushed to the side. The lack of care about my disappointment bothered me. The lack of concern about my disappointment bothered me. I had no words. I had no words for everyone who kept saying, I know you're disappointed, but at least you're safe. I know you're disappointed, but boy, I wouldn't have been able to take it should something have happened to you. I know, and I'm grateful, but I'm disappointed as well. I'm disappointed as well. And my safety, again, is a priority. I get it. I get it. I get it. But I'm allowed to have someone ask me, how are you feeling now that you're safe? How are you feeling otherwise? Is there anything else that you want to express that you need to express? I know you wanted to go there. Is there anything in particular you want to flush out about being disappointed, about going there? Was it just about travel? Was it about self-discovery? Was it about you finding yourself, introducing yourself to yourself? Was it about going to the holy land that you were raised so much to believe in? Yes, it was. I wanted to go where Jesus was. I wanted to be in that presence. There were so many landmarks that I wanted to go and touch my version of the hem of his garment. This is allegedly where the King of Kings and Lord of Lords did this, that, or the third. This is allegedly the wall of healing. This is allegedly where he walked on water. This is allegedly where, as a pastor's kid who may have left the church but never left God, this was a big deal to me. This was a big deal to me and also something that I would have been able to do and see that my parents, who are all about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, didn't get a chance to go and see and do and participate in and with. I wanted to bring them back the tales of wonder. I wanted to, to participate in something that spiritually meant a lot to me. And though no one knew that all of these things were a part of my disappointment, they didn't care to ask. Because, of course, they're focused on my safety. And when people who are seemingly strangers to me, such as a lot of you beautiful souls, who, yes, also said, I'm glad you're safe, but literally were like, ugh, this must suck for you. And people like Cynthia Brandt, shout out to you, therapist, in my opinion, to the stars, a friend of mine who just poured into me in a way that I didn't even know that I needed by just admitting that the whole situation sucked. And of course, honoring the disgusting terror that was happening out there, but focusing on me and what I was feeling. 
And one way I thanked her was by saying, thank you for not trying to cheer me up. Thank you for not trying to quote unquote, make me look at the bright side. Thank you for saying that, yes, my safety is the factor, but there are also other factors such as disappointment. And maybe it's because she's a therapist and she understands layers and she understands how to acknowledge the layers without dishonoring the topic or the situation at hand. It could be her genius training. It also could just be the type of woman she is, which is also a dope chick in conjunction to her skill set. She made me feel that it was okay to feel guilty. She validated for me that it was okay that I needed someone to be concerned about more than my safety. She reminded me that there are different feelings that are involved in many situations and people are allowed to have what they believe is the top priority feeling to address. And I'm also allowed to need more than that addressed. Again, I thanked her for not trying to cheer me up, but helping me sit in the lessons of my disappointment. I am forever grateful for her for doing that because that's what I needed. And that's no slight to my friends and family other than her who did not do that. They might not have known to do that. They might not have wanted to do that. They might not have had the tools that she has to do that. This is just an acknowledgement of the importance of having your circle being past your day ones with respect to my day ones and day twos. Sometimes you might need a day three or four to have a different perspective and maybe give your day ones and twos some respite. Maybe give them an option not to be what you need because you have other people who can be what you need. My disappointment and my feelings associated to disappointment and or any feeling I'm experiencing are not everyone's responsibility. Ooh, baby. After I got to just flush out the disappointment by asking myself, where did I learn disappointment? Redefining disappointment, actually going to look up the definition of disappointment after speaking out loud and doing some mirror work, after speaking to an abundance of friends and family and concerned beings, after writing things down and sorting out my feelings. If I did not start to do my work and vocalize and say, I feel guilty, I'm disappointed, I'm scared, I'm hurting. I need more than I'm glad you're safe. If I did not express myself, if I chose to suppress these feelings and just say, hey, I'm safe, that's all that matters, I wouldn't have gotten to the place that I am now, which is understanding that my disappointments and the feelings associated with such disappointment are not everyone else's responsibility. I'm going to say that one more time. My disappointments and the feelings associated with my disappointment they are not everyone else's responsibility. I cannot force people to carry my disappointment. They can care, but they don't have to carry. I wanted people to carry for me because the load was heavy. I wanted people who did not have the capacity to carry, to carry for me because the load was heavy. And a few people stepped up to the challenge of the carrying of the load sharing after I explained what I needed. Some people wanted to argue with me. Some people were very defensive. Some came around after the defense and just picked up a portion of the disappointment load. 
There were some who automatically said, hey, I get it. Thanks for telling me what you need. I'm here now. How can I help? There were others who were like, "Mm, that's your responsibility, not mine. And guess what? Every single response was the right one. Every single response was the right one. Why? It is not for me to force my emotional health needs on people who are not interested in receiving them. It's not for me to say everybody in my life should participate in my life the same exact way. Would that be great? Sure. But it is not realistic. It is not emotionally healthy to go around thinking that everybody has to react in a copy and paste way. Mm-mm. Everybody in my life, whether you're day one or day five, is not here for the same thing. They don't have the same skill set. They weren't raised the same way. They're not strong in the same areas. And that has to be okay with me because I need that respect about my capacity and my bandwidth and my learning curve to be respected when it comes to what they need. So why would I not respect it on the other end? I literally was like, okay, I spoke my needs with no expectation of you receiving them the way I think they should be received. I just want you to know what they are and you tell me what you want to do with them. And that's how we rolled. And let me tell you, my disappointment process became such a healing process when I removed the force aspect from it, when I removed the shame aspect from it. So you want to only focus on my safety? Well, that's not okay with me. I didn't do that. And processing allowed me not to do that. If I just suppressed, if I didn't allow people to rank their feelings as I was ranking mine, that wouldn't have been enough for me. But it was because I wasn't trying to be a forceful hypocrite. I was just trying to be a herd human being. Whether people have the capacity or desire to push past my safety being their number one priority, that's not my business. My business is stating what I need and allowing people to tell me if they could handle what I need and how they were going to handle what I need. Another key lesson I learned that ties into this very well was just focusing on connecting with the people who were energetically aligned with what I needed. Not icing out or ghosting the people who couldn't go past, I'm just glad you're safe. No. Our relationship's not going to change because you don't have what I need in the moment. I'm not going to punish you for not being what I needed in the moment because that doesn't mean that you're not what I need in other moments or haven't been what I needed in other moments. That just means right now, right now, you are not giving me what I would like and that's okay. So what I'm going to do is go where I feel nurtured, go where I feel heard, go where I temporarily or currently feel safe, go to the well that is filling my disappointment cup. And that's what I did. One of the issues in relationships is that we constantly try to force square pegs and round holes. I did not want to be that person that I've been in the past and that people have been to me that says, you have to be what I need or you're not valuable at all. You have to do what I need you to do in the moment or I am putting you out to pasture. We get rid of good people too quickly because we can't handle that people are also layered human beings such as us. We get rid of people too quickly thinking that they are replaceable because they were not able to give us what we needed in the moment. And they were honest about that. 
you brought it to their attention and they acknowledged what they were able to do. And if it wasn't good enough for you, instead of saying, I will rely on you when your skill set is called up to the front of the class and I still cherish you, but I'm not going to compare you to someone else who is stronger than you or available, even if you both have the same strength, someone who's available right now to do what I need, be who I need. I'm not going to do that to you. I'm going to say thank you for your care and concern. Thank you for participating in and to the degree that you could. And I'm just going to energetically align with the people who have what I need right now. Instead, no, it's, ugh, this person wasn't able to be the person I needed them to be and wanted them to be this one time, so they not about me. I need to be with people who don't play about me. Well, this person don't play about you too. All they had at the moment was focusing on your safety. And you told them you needed more. They acknowledged you needed more, but they didn't know how to be more. And since you, Stephanie, are in the disappointed, guilted, fearful space, you weren't in the teaching space. You didn't have the capacity to be an educator. So you had to go to people who already knew how to handle this version of you. Realizing that a lot of my close loved ones don't know how to deal with me when I'm not positive was an eye opener for me. Understanding that what I energetically give off on a regular basis is not disappointed not guilted and the combination of the guilt, the fear and the disappointment was a lot for some of my loved ones to handle. They don't know how to deal with me when I'm the one in emotional need to that capacity. That was like, like bombs bursting in air going off for me. I'm like, oh my God, these people don't know how to deal with me. I'm not solving anything, I need something solved. I'm not life architecting. I need a life architect. I'm not building, customizing, and designing. I need someone to build, customize, and design emotional shelter for me today. And oh my goodness, people are not equipped and or they're just not accustomed. They got to go and dig in their emotional toolbox and blow off the emotional hammer and dust the cobwebs off the emotional screwdriver because they're not used to using that for me. When I say grace had to be implemented for my loved ones, during my fear, during my guilt, during my disappointment process. Processing this thing was crazy, y'all. And this breakdown might be all over the place because I am still processing. I process a lot on this microphone, like many people do. And I hope that I contribute to the podcast community in a healthy way, not in a toxic, my daddy don't love me, red cup boys way. Yes, that was shade and maybe unnecessary, but it is what it is. And as I process, my mind is reblown again that I was in pain, but still had to give grace to people who didn't know how to process my pain. That doesn't mean they didn't love me. That doesn't mean they didn't care. That means they didn't know how. And the way I show up in life to my loved ones conditions them on how to treat me. The way you show up, beautiful souls, in your life to your loved ones conditions them on how to treat you. And every once in a while, there will be a situation where they have to pivot. Some will pivot very fast, rapido. Some will get it right away, click that snap, and it's like, oh, he or she needs me in this way today, and I'm able to just adapt and assimilate. And for others, it will be like, he or she needs me in this way. I need a little recalibration time. I need a little practice. I'm a little wobbly on this emotional bike. I need a few pedals before I get comfortable and take this long ride and stride with them. 
Or some might be like, I don't have what it takes to be who you need for this version of you. I only know this version of you and I'm only equipped to handle that version of you. And you have to decide. You have to decide right then and there how you're going to treat each category, how you are going to show up in your pain while processing your pain for other people. That's just, girl, (laughs) Woo, Jesus be playing with me. I was just like, sir, this is not about nobody else. This is about me, Lord. This is about me, Jesus. This is about me, son of God. This is not about anybody else. And you know what? It wasn't just about me. All of this, every last drop, every little bit of it, all of it was so necessary. I got so much and am still getting so much from it because the process of it is not over. Just because it's been over a month, I am still in deep process, as you can tell with my rambling. I am still in deep process of who, how, what, and where when it comes to my disappointment. My disappointment gave me a lesson in giving your people an opportunity to show up for you and how you define if they failed you or not. Sometimes things happen because an opportunity for other people to show up for you needs to present itself. There were a few loved ones who were really uncomfortable with the raw emotional version of Stephanie. And there were a few of them that I had to tell that their discomfort of this emotional version of me was not my concern. Though it's not people's intent, when they tell me not to cry because they don't like it when I cry, it made me feel that my emotional expression, which was tears at the time, was a burden and that I need to have my shit together because when I don't, I'm too much to handle. I told someone that they need to practice their emotional depositing skills as much as their emotional withdrawing skills. Because when I tell you what I need, I don't want you to counter with what you need me to stop doing to make you feel emotionally comfortable. Ah, the lessons, beloved, the lessons, beloved, they were coming out. The conversations were being had and I just wanted to be an emotional wreck I did. I just wanted to be an emotional, disappointed, scared, fearful wreck. But that's not my path. That's not what God saw fit. I couldn't just lay down and weep and have somebody stroke my hair and wipe my snot bubbles. That's what I wanted, but that's not what I got. And at first I thought I was disappointed because I just didn't get to lay down and wail like many people get to do. But then I realized that I'm not other people. And I'm not everybody else. And I've never been other people. And I've never been everybody else. And I've always had singular experiences versus universal experiences in many aspects of my emotional life, thus becoming the emotional life architect. And I started to find peace with not being able just to lay down and weep and be coddled. I found peace in it. I did because the lessons are priceless. The lessons... (laughs) were priceless. People are playing emotional checkers and I'm out here playing emotional chess. And I realized that the coddling that I needed came from myself. And it would have been great to get it from other people. But I realized that from me to me was non-transactional. It was non-transactional. I didn't tell me not to cry. I didn't tell me to get out of bed because I was depressed. I didn't tell me I need to shower or I needed to eat. No. And I cried. 
and I put my phone on D&D and I wept and I asked God why. And I got up to use the bathroom, but didn't get up to do much more. And I realized that I had to nurture myself, to some degree mother myself, father myself, and it still got the soothing, healing aspect of that done. And so often we want others to be that for us, not realizing a lot of the times we are the resource that we need. And while I love the care and concern for my safety, and while I learn not to force people to see things emotionally the way I see it and take action emotionally the way I would take it, I was reminded that everything doesn't have to come from everybody we want it to come from. It doesn't. Whew. And that's all I have to say about that.